0: There's nothing like the Word of God. Amen. Luke's Gospel 22. Let's start reading from verse 31. Now we'll do a stop start instead of reading through it all. And it's a well-known portion of Scripture. But instead of reading through it all and then coming back over it all, we'll, do, and we'll stop and start and comment as we go through it. Verse 31. The Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for thee, that thy faith fail not. And when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. Now, whenever we are looking at this, something we have to take note of here is when Jesus is saying that, he's saying it to all the disciples. In the original text, the idea here is it's plural, then singular. For example, Simon, behold, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan has desired to have you. It's not just Simon, Simon, just you. It's a plural term that Jesus uses here. So if we were all the disciples right around, he would be saying, Behold, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan has desired to have you all, that he may sift you all as wheat. And that's the way Jesus is saying it. So it's it's very, very important that we really get the awfulness of this, first of all. That Satan himself wants to destroy every Christian life. Wants to destroy every Christian home. Wants to destroy every Christian marriage. That Satan himself wants to destroy every Christian walk with Christ. Satan wants to do his worst and try his best. That every single one of us will fail before God. And that we'll fail before man. And that our testimonies will be of no use. For the kingdom of God. And so when Jesus is saying. Simon, Simon, behold. The word behold there is more than just now look, listen. Or something like that. It's like a shock awe. Something to grab your attention. In other words it's like now look ye here. Look this way. That's the idea of it. So Jesus himself, the Lord himself is saying. Behold Satan. Has desired to have you all. And the term also is not all just in plural. But he says he's desired to have every single one of you. That he may sift you as wheat. The good thing about this is two points. First point is the term desired to have. It isn't that he's desired it and he's just took it because he desired it. It gives the idea that he can't cross where God the Father has told him not to. And so he's had to go, as it were, present himself in case before God to ask, to say, well, what about Job, for example? Take away all that he has. Take away the heads from round about him. And he'll curse you to his face, to your face. And so whenever he's speaking, it's the same sort of term. And he's saying, look, the old Satan has went and he has obtained you by asking (laughs) He's obtained you by asking. So the confidence is this in God. That as a child of God. Satan cannot do anything to you. He has no right. He has no privilege. He has no license. He has no authority. He can do nothing. But your father will say thus far no further. Your heavenly father. And my heavenly father. Our heavenly father will say Satan thus far. And no further. Why would God allow Satan to come and. Try something against you or against me. Simple. For the trial of your faith. To purify us further in the faith. To show us who we are in Christ and who Christ is in us. For example, whenever we're going through the mountains and the valleys, when we're on the mountain, everything is breezy. Everything is beautiful. We're looking down on our problems and we're looking down on the troubles. Everything is airy and everything is wonderful. And praise God for the mountain top experiences. And then when we're in the valley, we find that it's just not so nice. It's not so sweet-smelling. It's not so bright. It's more shadowy. It's more dark. It's you know, it's a bit more eerie, if you want, in times we don't understand where we're going next. And so what happens is if we're always on the mountaintop, we get so used to it, we take it for granted, and we find that we do not appreciate what the Lord has given us. That's in our nature still. To take the things of God and get so used to them. Listen, brother, sister, let's be honest. And you be honest with yourself before God. How many times recently, maybe you've heard in recent past days or weeks or whatever it's been, of people getting saved. And you've went, oh, isn't that wonderful? Isn't that wonderful? <laughs> Is that, that's a soul sealed from hell. Amen. That's someone forgiven of their sin. That's another one brought in whom Christ has died for. Jesus gave his life for that person. And we tend to think, ah, well, isn't that lovely? And it maybe rejoices us a little, but yet the angels in heaven are rejoicing over one sinner that repents. Yeah. The angels who look into the things of our salvation. The angels who are like that, those angels that were on that Ark of the Covenant. Do you remember Moses made the golden Ark over the, over the wood and he put the, the, the stones of the, tab, the tablets of stone in it from the Ten Commandments? the broken stones, and then he remade them. Do you remember he put those in? And then he put Aaron's rod in, the, the rod that budded, blossomed and bloomed before showing the, uh, the election of God for, the, for Aaron's seed and his family to be the priestly Levitical priest line. And so that was placed into it. And of course, there was a pot full of manna when God fed them in, in the wilderness, the manna in the mornings. Remember every morning? And Keith prayed it as, as Mercy's new knew every morning. It's fresh. It's like the manna on the ground. You think about that, when the Israelites went in and the wilderness went into their tents at night, they had to trust God that when they get up in the morning, that God was going to meet their need by the time they get up. So when Israel were sleeping, if I can say it reverently, the ovens of heaven were baking. And the bread was ready fresh for them in the morning as soon as they came out of their tent. Every single morning. Every morning. And then they gathered twice, one for the Sabbath, we knew that. But here is the pot of manna that brings the bread of life. So when we look at the Ark of the Covenant, we have the pot of manna. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. We, we, look, at, we look at the tablets of the, of the law where Jesus says that he keeps the law, every jot and tittle of that law, the law you broke and the law that I've broken. Jesus kept it to perfection. That whenever he keeps it, we then receive his grace and his righteousness for he alone was able to keep that law of righteousness. And so there's the the law and the righteousness of Christ, the keeping of the law. Here is the pot of manna, the bread of life, as he which cometh down from heaven and giveth life unto the world. And again, of course, there's orange rod. What did that mean? That spoke of resurrection because it was an old stick broken off from the tree of life, as it were, where the sustenance and the substance and the sap of the tree would go out into the branch. Someone cut it down. It went withered and dried and hardened and it was used as an old stick. But when it was laid in the presence of God, it shows you that even the hardest, coldest heart, that even the backslider who's been far away from God, even when God says, see that stick? I appointed that stick. Believe it or not, God says, I appointed that. Let me watch, let me see, show you, pardon me. Let me show you and watch and see. So when he puts it before with all the other sticks of all these who wanted to be the priests, And they all stand back and they leave it and they come back in the morning. There's iron's rod abutted and blossomed and bloomed. Death unto life, it means. Life comes out of death. And so Christ brings life out of death, resurrection. So when they're all in this box and they have the lid on it, the lid was called the mercy seat. The lid is called the propitiation. And that word propitiation means God's wrath was averted. So here is the high priest of Israel in the Holy of Holies. Here is the Ark of the Covenant and the lid was the mercy seat. And on that mercy seat there were two cherubims whose wings touched wing like this. And they touched wings but they were looking as they touched as though they were looking down into the box. Why? Do you ever wonder why? Well here's why. Because when they're looking on that lid they're looking at mercy. When the priest comes in, here's the box. He sprinkles the blood that was shed from the animal for the atonement. And so here is the blood, and these 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 angels, these golden uh, uh, cherubims, are looking down as though they're looking into this. What can they not understand? The bread of life come down, the Son of God. They can't understand the glorious resurrection of the, 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 the death life coming out of death. They can't understand. Then the third thing was the perfect law was perfectly kept in Christ. And so when they see it, the high priest comes up and here as it were, they're figuratively looking upon it. They're looking down into it and the high priest comes up, a man full of sin. And because there's the blood, there's the propitiation or the mercy seat, the glory of God would come down between these covering angels and these cherubims and as the glory comes down, the only thing that stopped this man from being consumed in the holy presence of a holy God was the blood and the mercy seat. Christ, Christ alone. And so, when they're here, they're, they're looking at this. And when we get to to uh, whenever we get into the New Testament, the New Testament tells us of the prophets who prophesied of Christ coming. And that the angels desire to look into the things of our salvation. These angels are looking into this box figuratively. Desiring to look into why God would save save a wretched sinner like me. They don't understand what joy salvation brings. They don't understand what it is to be washed in the blood by faith. They don't understand what it is to be regenerated of the Holy Spirit. They don't understand what it's like to be forgiven of sin. See, the angels who left their first estate, sure they were cast into the darkness and bound up ready for judgment. They won't have reprieve. But for some reason in eternity past, God set his love on those whom he gave to his son. And that is you. And that is me. And we may be dead and dry sticks at times, but if you let him, God can bring you back to life. God can bring you back to life. How does he do it? Through the blood of the Lamb, and His mercy is new every morning. Great is His faithfulness. Amen, amen. You see, you're unfaithful, and I'm unfaithful all the time, but great is His faithfulness every single day. I wake up every morning knowing that I'm only kept by the power of God through faith on the salvation. I'm only cleansed in the blood of the Lamb, and there's of myself, I'm absolutely nothing. But when I realise, oh, but I'm a child of God, <laughs> that's not boastful, and that's not being proud. That's being assured of my salvation in the Lord Jesus Christ. So I trust we're all feeling, knowing, uh, and experiencing the full salvation in the Lord Jesus. That there's nothing you can do to save yourself. There's nothing we can do to even keep ourselves. Oh, I must work. No, 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 no. Wait a minute. Your works doesn't keep you either. Your work may, serving God, you may find that there's reward and glory. But that doesn't save you. There's no work save you. You might find that your work brings you into further relationship with Christ because you're laboring for him, but that doesn't save you. You are saved by sovereign grace through faith in Christ alone. Isn't that amazing, isn't it? It doesn't matter who you are or where you're from or what you've done or what you think you can become. That's who he is compared to who you and I are. So whenever we are looking at this, we're finding that these angels are looking in. Angels are rejoicing in glory every time a sinner gets saved, every time a prodigal comes back, every time the father in the story of the prodigal son, he sees the son coming, he runs down the path to meet him, doesn't he? He just has to say, right, it says the prodigal son, he, he caught himself on is one of those sayings, he, he, he came to himself, in other words, he picked himself up, he brought himself home, but the father ran to meet him as soon as he had done that. And when he ran to meet him, he put the shoes on his feet and everything. He didn't say, ah, oh, oh, it's only you. It's your way. Oh, you've spent your, all your living and you've lived like that. The father says, that's my son was dead. Now he's alive again. See, you were like that stick of orange rod. So, but now he says, look, because you hear the life is coming again. And the angels in heaven are rejoicing over one sinner that repenteth. So whenever we are looking at these things, we have to realize, what is God's word saying to me? What is God's word telling me? What is God's word instructing me? What is God's word urging me into? Because I tell you, we could listen to God's word every night for hours upon hours and do nothing with it. And there will not be any change. There won't be any change. But once we receive the word and take it in. Once we live in the word. And listen, yes we fail. I'm not saying to fail. I'm saying we do fail. Because of who we are. There's nothing in us that's good. Save the Holy Spirit. That's it. Paul even said that. Paul says there's nothing in me. There's nothing good in me. That is in my flesh. But he knew the Holy Ghost was in him. But if the Holy Ghost is in you. And the Holy Ghost is in me. Then he enables us. He equips us. He endures us with power. With the unction to live right for God. Amen. The law of the Lord is written in the tables of our hearts. And so we're living before the Lord. So when we're looking at this. When the Lord says, Simon, Simon, behold. Satan has desired to have you. He's obtained you by asking. Why would God do it? Why would God allow it? Because sometimes he allows it. One. The desires of our hearts have left him. And he says after a while, Okay, son, you want to go on? I'll let you go on. But you're still mine. I'm watching you. Okay, daughter, you're still mine. I'm watching you. And at the end of it, you'll see his glory in it. And another one is, is to increase your faith. Keep your place there just and flick over to First Peter now, Peter has went through the trial we're about to look at. So let's keep this in mind. Peter's come through such a trial. He's been restored, not only in Christ, but into, he's also been restored into service. Some people think, you know what, like we went wrong and we'll never be able to be in service again. That's nonsense because Christ is a great restorer. He's repairs of the breach, but he's also the restorer, the reconciler unto God. Now, notice this, First Peter chapter 1. And let your eye run down to verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. The word blessed here is a term, you lego. It comes from two words, lego to speak. Lego means to speak and you uh, means uh, good or well. Speak well off, speak good off, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And sometimes we get to a place here where Peter could have says, Oh, but the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. The God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, he allowed Satan to attack me. He allowed Satan to sift me. He allowed Satan to come against me. He allowed this and he allowed that. And listen, brothers and sisters, if we want to get into the blame game, then we need to go back to Eden. And when we go back to Eden, we find the first thing that fallen man does is blame God for giving him a wife. And then blame the wife for giving him to eat of the tree. And the thing is, we don't want to accept our own sins. We don't want to accept our own failures. We don't want to accept our own faults until there comes a time when we realize, hold on, God is always right and I'm wrong. I was charged, Haddon Spurgeon once said, sin is a brat that nobody wants to own. Sin is a brat that nobody wants to own. It wasn't that long ago that I was in a shop and there was a few people in the shop waiting in a queue and there was a child who was acting up to the point where they got on. They were just looking for something. Mommy wasn't giving them it, and they're on the floor. No one of those ones. They just totally lose it, kicking, squealing, wah! <laughs> and it was, just went on and on, and they were kicking things. And and you see the you see the mother was getting embarrassed, and she starts doing this. And the child's there. Now we all knew it was her child, but she was pretending it wasn't. We see sin as a brat. That nobody wants to own. And so what we do is we blame God. And instead of blessing the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know what we do? We curse the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. We blame the God and Father instead of saying. Father thy will be done. Not my will. But thy will be done. And that's so hard to do. But if we can get there and say. Well where did I go wrong? What have I done that has been displeasing in your sight? And God is saying. Listen I am bringing you further on in your faith. Trust me. Maybe you're going through something and sometimes it's not you're doing anything wrong. Sometimes God's going to bring you into a new level with him, into a new place with him, into a deeper relationship with him. But he must take out the dross. So when you put gold or silver through a fire and you burn it through the fire, all the dross comes at the top and it makes a skim or a scum along the top and you skim it off. And so when the Bible talks about seven, being purified seven times in the fire, the more pure the gold was, the more expensive it became. And so if you had a really expensive gold, you could sell it for a lot of money and, and you could near enough buy kings and queens with it. And so what they done was they purified it and it took a long time. They skimmed the dross of it, put it through again and they heated it up again. So it came again. They skimmed it off it and again and again. And the more times they did it, the more expensive it became. Now notice what Peter is saying here. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that fadeth not away reserved in heaven for you. Isn't that fantastic? Notice that. Look, let me read that verse 4 again. To an inheritance incorruptible Amen. what you know what that means that means look there's there's not going to be any moths or rust is going to break through and eat and destroy you this is the the what Christ has come for that our inheritance is found in Christ Amen. and so when he returns our full inheritance will be at the resurrection that he will change your vile body and my vile body this mortal will become immortal this corruptible will become incorruptible. And we'll be like him, changed to be like him. And we're going to have our full inheritance forever with the king, forever with the savior. And it's incorruptible. You're not going to get up in the mornings anymore. Now, if you're, you, you, if, if you're like me, some mornings I get up and I'm a wee bit faster getting up than other ones. Because I would get up sometimes and I'd pull the sciatic nerve a while back there and I'd go, oh, my, oh. I'm not going to have a bad sciatic nerve now anymore. Last night I was out all day yesterday trying to do a few things and getting printing done and stuff. And I come home and my head was pounding. I'm not going to have another pounding headache again. I could already see out of my eyes. My head was that sore. I'm not going to have that again. Amen. You won't be getting up and there will be no arthritis. There will be no cancers. There will be no tumors. There will be no death. There will be no separation from our loved ones. Amen. None of it. We have an inheritance in Christ and it's incorruptible. None will take it from us. And none can take us from him. You, Amen. What a salvation. This salvation is mighty. Notice what he says, incorruptible and undefiled that fadeth not away. Peter, you're really telling us something here. I wonder, could Peter talk like that before uh, the Father had allowed him to be sifted as wheat? Think about it. Could you talk like that, Peter, before the Father allowed that trial to happen to you? Would you be able to go to that depth to see what Christ has for you? See what Christ has done for you? And then he says, A fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you. Listen, know what he's saying? Glory's coming. Glory's coming. The end is not yet, brother. The end is not yet, sister. And he'll perfect the good work that he started in you. He is transforming us. He's bringing many sons, many daughters, many sons unto glory. And he's transforming us. This is the trial of our faith. This is the purification of our faith. Because then he goes into this in verse 6 wherein ye greatly rejoice though now for a season if need be ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations. Notice it's only for a season. But yet what we have in Christ is for eternity. Then he says that the trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold that perisheth. Do you know you're, you're you're like gold tried seven times in the fire. Every time you're going through a trial and you're trusting in Christ. Every time you go through the trial and, and you know that Christ is with you. But you're even struggling and maybe you're failing, but you're faint yet pursuing. See, by the time you get out the other side, it's another layer of scum has been skimmed off you. It's another scum has been skimmed off you. I once told somebody you, you can only a, a builder can only build his house of scaffolding. If you have a three-story building and you have a scaffolding of three stories, don't expect to go to five or six. If you haven't got your scaffolding up. If you're a painter and you're going up a ladder, don't expect, if your ladder goes two stories up, don't expect to reach the fifth and sixth floor of an office block. Your ladder isn't big enough. Now we're going to look at that in a moment. Your ladder isn't long enough. Your scaffolding has not high enough. But what God does is he brings you through these to purify our faith that we'll trust in him more. And even though it's a horrible time, it's a terrible time. You'll find your faith will grow. One of the most dangerous prayers for you and I to pray is Lord increase my faith. There's a mother here and just a wee daughter a couple of years old We got a call just last year. Come to the hospital and there she was her wee eyes taped down all tubes in her and Basically, they were giving up on her. She's finished with this uh, meningitis. We think this height? Can I imagine her name? Is that all right? Yeah. Grace, you called her. God had Grace too. He was great. <laughs> and this wee child, and I stood with her daddy, and Alison stood with her mommy. then later, but they wouldn't let everybody in. And they came in, and we were praying for the child, and they <laughs> lost her for six minutes? Six minutes. And we were in a room praying. We didn't realize. The child was was going... And the old devil tried to steal her. And I remember mommy broke out. We were all praying in this room. And we didn't realize the child had been lost. The heartbeat had gone for six minutes. And we started praying in this room. And the mommy shouts out. Rachel, the mommy shouts out. Satan, get your hands off my daughter in the name of Jesus. And I said to Alison, there's something about that prayer. Something's happened here. And the nurse comes in and says, don't go yet because we've just lost her daughter. But we've got her back again. <laughs> Isn't that right? that right she went into the hospital and they says oh she'll need all sorts to go and all sorts of operations you know what they said maybe not even make it and we prayed over week after week night after night people were praying over the place for her and she's up now she's running about mm-hmm. she she's just doing great isn't she but here's something that happened and it why would this happen i remember her mommy and her daddy I remember her daddy like a child on my shoulder that day. My daughter's going to go. I says, No, let's pray. Come on, we'll pray. And mommy calls her out. And I remember this. And I said, I remember her daddy <sighs> saying, uh, You know, what we're going to do. And I would be distraught to you. But see, as I watched them, their faith started to grow. Mm-hmm. And their faith started to grow. Mm-hmm. And their faith started to grow. And the child started to get better. And then it started to dip. And then it says there was a bleed in the brain, remember? And what went up. And my, I had my hands on her head and I prayed, and the bleed stopped. It says, We can't take it out because she will kill her if we we'll go in. And I prayed, and the next thing they took her in, and it says, This bleed has stopped. This shouldn't be happening. Okay. And now she's well. She's out. How long is she out of hospital, Rachel? Yeah, like five, months? five months. out of hospital. And she's become a wee of a wee the way she was before. <laughs> and she's gorgeous. But what I'm saying is this. Why, Lord, would you allow that? The only thing I can say, I don't know all answers, but this is something I've seen. I've seen their faith. But I've seen them change. You know, they were getting there, they were out at their meetings, they were doing whatever, you know, and they were going on, they were worshiping, yeah. but this was a totally different level. Mm -hmm. They had a totally different level. And you've seen the faith of them and family members starting to rise up in faith. And I... Now it's like, oh, somebody's sick. Well, no, we'll just pray for them. God does these things. Now, the doctors especially says we can't even touch that child in the brain. And the bleed's here, we can't stop it, we can do nothing with it. And we says, well, God can. And the Lord did. Amen. And I it says, right, isn't that right, all. You see, whenever sometimes we're saying, Lord, why are you allowing this? It's because the trial of our faith. And maybe you're going through something. Listen, Alison and I were just, we were a bit late coming in. Alison and I have all day been with what's known as a shadow writer. Used to call them ghost writers, but this girl's a Christian. Doesn't like being called a ghost writer. She likes has called a shadow writer. Say, it's just too occultly sounding. So this girl, uh, uh, Alison and I are, were asked to, I was asked to do a book of my testimony. And I said, look, I'm not writing. I haven't time. So this says we give you a shadow, a shadow writer. Would you do it? But then Alison's testimony, he's going to do it too. And then it's ministry and how the Lord's worked through our ministry and what we've done in ministry in Romania and so on. So we were with this shadow writer all day today. And as we were thinking of things that we were through, the shadow writer says, tell us mountains and tell us valleys. And everything we were thinking of was valley, 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 <laughs> valley, 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 valley. valley, valley. <laughs> and she says, well, what's our mountains? I says, what is our mountains <laughs> do you know what our mountains were see in the midst of the valley see in the midst of the struggle see in the midst of the hard time we seen God save people we seen God heal people in the midst of the valley we seen God moving we seen him building the church we seen the church numbers growing so they couldn't contain them we just seen them just exploding We've seen people growing in the faith. We've seen so much through real hard times. And that's not to say for us, because there's many times I wanted to roll up into a ball and not come out of the house. There's many times we wanted to run away and not talk to anybody. So it was nothing to do with us, but in it is, do you trust me? Then here I am. He's with you every step of the way. I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee. And the idea is, I will never, 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 never leave thee, nor forsake thee. And back to front is, thee forsake, nor thee leave. Never, 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 never will I. So see him whatever way you want to look at it. So when Peter gets to this, he's saying, the trial of your faith being much more precious than that of gold. So if gold is so expensive, it could nearly buy off kings when it's put through the fire seven times. Our faith, he's saying, is even more precious. Amen. Even more precious. Yeah, right. Now when we go back to Luke 22. So Peter's saying this because he's come through a lot. And what we need to do is learn in our journey, learn in our experience what God is teaching us, what God has told us, what God has shown us. And apply that on the wisdom. It's no good going through a trial and learning nothing from it and doing nothing with it. You must apply it to your life. So when the Lord says, Luke 22, verse 31. You realize I wanted to try and get to the end of the chapter tonight, but I haven't a hope. on <laughs> <laughs> <Paul, please talk. laughs> If anybody falls and dies on me, you know what, we'll do our best. <laughs> He says, (laughs) Simon, Simon, behold, Satan has desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat. So he's saying, Simon, Simon, he's looking at Simon, but he's speaking of you as all. Simon, Simon, say it's Keith, I'm looking at you. Keith, Keith, Satan has desired to have you all. But he's looking at Simon, it's the idea of it, to have you all. They may sift you as wheat. And he's obtained you by asking, but I have prayed for you. Oh, here, hold on a minute. (laughs) now there's the, fear. there's the fear factor now Lord don't try me too hard because uh, who wants to be tried let's be honest sometimes when we think when we're being scourged by God it's because he doesn't love us that's nonsense if you're being scourged by God or if you're being uh, chastened by the Lord you know why you're being chastened because you're not a bastard you're, an Ill- you're not illegitimate you are a chain of God You only chastise your own children. You don't chastise your next door neighbour's children. Although if they jump over your fence, you might help them back over again. (laughs) But you don't chastise them for the good. You let their parents do that. And so when your father wants to chastise you, he does it for your good. What also tells us that you and I, we chastise our children for our own pleasure sometimes. In the sense that when a child is like that, we Child on the I was going to say not <laughs> that now they got child on the ground. You feel like I get to your home? I'm going to. <laughs> you don't want to do anything in front of people. But you feel you're angry at this. But that's not the idea of God's chastisement. All God's anger was poured on upon his son at the cross. And those who are in Christ are not under any wrath of God. See that mercy seat? John tells us Christ is our the propitiation for our sins. Propitiation means God averted the wrath through pouring it out in His Son. He is our mercy seat. He is that box. He is the one where the glory fills. And when He cried, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And when He cried, It is finished. Between those cries, it was, You've forsaken me that Ken Davidson can be brought in. You're pouring this wrath out on me because his sin's on me, and God must punish sin. God does not brush it under the carpet like men and women. God punishes sin, but he punished his son for you and me. That when we receive Christ, we took his righteousness, he took our sin. He was, as it were, uh, forsaken that we would be brought in. And so when he cried, It is finished, that means. Pet and fool. Completely, totally, completely finished. There's nothing else to do. I may have given this to you before. An illustration of propitiation. God's wrath averted. If you were to go to Silent Valley, say. And you can go to bigger ones in the States or whatever. But you go to Silent Valley. And if you park your car and you walk. And there's that duck pond there, you know. And... You see the big green hill way up, you know, and the mountains are up the side. And there's the big green hill there and the wee wall along the top where you can walk along the path at it. What well, you think? This is a big green hill. But when you get up to the top of that big green hill, you know that's the whole reservoir behind that. So you're really so many feet, I don't know how many feet deep it is, beneath the surface of that water, at water level. Now, can you imagine if you had that only you went to a dam and you were right at the bottom and that dam was, say, a thousand miles long. Let's make it ridiculous. A thousand miles long and a thousand miles to the other side. And say suddenly a big crack starts to come up the middle of that dam. And you see the water's just about to break and the dam is straining under it like this. And suddenly the dam breaks and all this water starts pouring down. Billions or trillions of gallons of water. You're certain that your fate has been sealed. You're on that way. You have a thousand miles. You can't get out of the road. You're on that way, you have a thousand miles, you can't get out of the road. You're on this way, there's no way you're out running this. All this water is just going to consume you. In other words, this wrath is coming on you. But God's wrath is like that on the sinner. Only greater even. And it's his long suffering gives the idea of this. That his long suffering is, it's going like this. And his love is holding it back. But there's coming a time when his elect are in. Now listen, so you're standing at this dam and suddenly it bursts open. Trillions of gallons of water are about to consume you. And suddenly a big chasm opens in the ground, swallows every bit of that water up. It comes right up to you and it swallows it up. It pours right in under the earth. And there's not a splash in your shoe, not a drop, not a little drip on your head. You're completely 100% free from it and you're completely dry and you're saying wow look at this and all this water is just dropping right before you nothing touches you that's the idea of propitiation wrath averted God's wrath is about to go and Jesus says Father I die for him and the wrath was poured out like that chasm that was coming towards someone like me and he hung on the cross and it was all poured out into him and he took it on my behalf and yours Thank you, Jesus. Amen. so when the high priest comes to this lid it's the propitiation lid the mercy seat mercy is when we do not get what we deserve when we do not get what we deserve And mercy find us where we didn't get what we deserved hell eternal punishment damnation we didn't get it we find grace grace is to receive that which you do not deserve, we receive forgiveness we receive love cleansing, righteousness salvation that's what we received we think of the mission coming up, I think of many men and women standing at the dam and they may die and go to a lost eternity or Christ could return it's too late it's about to break and the wrath of God is poured out the condemnation comes upon all men that know not Christ <coughs> when the Lord says here Satan has desired to have you but I've prayed for you Peter why did he say I've prayed for you because Peter had a job to do and especially Peter had a job in the sense of this that his nature need to be refined. Peter had a temperament. People say I can't change. You can if you give yourself to God. People say I I, I can't get the victory. You can you give yourself to God. Do you know what's wrong? You hold it. The heart of the man and the heart of the woman that's fully, completely and totally sold out for Christ, they will be overcomers in the faith. And they'll have the victory in Christ. People say, I can't give up the alcohol. Yes, you can. If you're saved, you can. If you're Christ, you can. I can't give up the, the smoking, and I can't give up this, the drugs, or I can't give up you know, the, the womanizing, or I can't get up, give up the, the cursing and the swearing. Listen, see, whenever I got saved, I had all of them. And I was bound by all of them. But see, when I got saved, the Holy Ghost came in, and the devil went out. Amen. And nobody had to ever once tell me, don't do that. For every time I feared the Holy Ghost, it was like a, I was like a punch to the solar plexus of my spirit oh lord forgive me Till i got stronger and learned to walk in the ways of the lord and i'm still learning by the way i'm still learning and we all will be still learning until he comes now when the lord says but i have prayed for thee that thy faith fail not we know the story i obviously haven't time to go into all the other verses that's just what the lord had me to say tonight <laughs> But here's what what was wrong. He says, I've prayed for thee that thy faith fail not. We recognize that Peter failed the Lord by denying him three times. And the cock crows. So if the Lord is praying for Peter, did Peter's faith fail? No. But he denied the Lord. (laughs) There's a difference in faith and courage. There's men and women who know way inside them the right and the wrong of the Lord, yet they feel their courage fails them. You were with him, Can you see, Peter? And they see what they're going to do with Jesus. They see the beating he's taking. You and I, yes, I'm with Jesus. Would you really? Are some of us in work are afraid to mention his name? Think about it. Come on, let's be honest. If I mention his name, I'd get told off by my boss. And that's it. Are you a Christian? But don't be saying too much about I'm a Christian. But don't be telling anybody else. Are you any better than Peter? (laughs) It's our courage. And we go, Oh Lord, I know I shouldn't have done that. And uh, the Lord's telling us, we know, find ready within ourselves, the Spirit's moving. And He says, What are you doing? Speak up, speak out. And you're going, "I I was afraid. You see, your courage is went, not your faith. Your faith is still there. Because it's not your faith. It's imputed faith. It's faith given to you. It's the faith of the Son of God. And when Jesus says, I have prayed for thee that thy faith fail not, the safest place a man and woman can be is under the prayers of Christ. Now you can ask me to pray for you, and I'll pray. And sometimes, let's be honest, people ask you to pray and we do, then you forget. Or you tail off sometimes. The scripture says of Christ, he shall never fail, nor be discouraged. The great high priest stands in the glory. And so this one, he says, I've prayed for you. Oh, Lord Jesus, if you would just say to me, I've prayed for you that your faith fails not. If you would just say it, he says, I am, I have. The scriptures are full that Christ is standing at the right hand of God. And he's our great high priest interceding on our behalf. He's praying for you. What are you afraid of? What are you afraid of? I don't know what he says to the Father but I can imagine him just there. And forgive me Lord for this imagination but I can imagine Father there's my wounds. See Ken Davidson. I died for him. You gave him to me. See Gordon Foster I die for him. You give him to me. He's trusting in me. There's the wounds. There for me the saviour stands. He shows his wounds. He spreads his hands. God is love. I know I feel. Jesus lives. And loves me still. Loves me still after who I am. Absolutely. Oh fell away. Listen backsliding isn't going out into the world. Yes, that is part of it, going into the word and doing this. Backsliding starts in the heart. There's many of us have backslid maybe even today in our heart where we've been away somewhere else. Let's be honest. That's the honest truth. And do you know why you're here? Because the faith operating in you, you thought you're maybe losing has brought you here today. Tonight, I should say. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for the evidence of not things not seen. And the thing is, now faith. It is now see faith. In other words, it gives the idea of faith now in you it's a substance of things hoped for it's the evidence of things not seen oh this here you know, this is your, your little forever friend you know this is your little your little friend who you, you like to talk to he's like you as if you're a child you know that's what people think no no let me tell you something there's a substance of faith in my heart that I know Christ is living how do you know I was talking to him a while back there he's doing well he's alive and well let me finish this I may have to do, I may do another one for the Lord. I to do another one sometime on what on Peter. But the problem with Peter is this. Here's a couple of quick points. Jot them down. You can read them when you go home. I'll just mention the verses. He says, I pray for thee that thy faith fail not. And when the word converted, strengthen thy brethren. Now, Peter was already following Christ. What do you mean when thou are converted? The idea is when you have come through what you're about to go through. Satan is going to have a field day here. Now, that would scare the life out of anyone, wouldn't it? And when you've come through it, strengthen your brethren. First Peter chapter 1 tells us about the trial of your faith. Peter starts to talk about faith from the opening of his letters. Peter, in a day of Pentecost, sees 3,000 come to saving faith in Christ. What happened, Peter? He says, I was converted. What do you mean you were converted, Peter? You're already following Christ. I came through it, and I realized this salvation is not of me. It's all of him. So the first place Peter goes, here's some little side-slippings which lead to great backslidings. First little side-slipping is in verse 33. And he said unto him, Lord, I am ready to go with thee into prison unto death. Now Jesus says, I'm praying for you. Satan's going to sift you. Now you and I would think that we would say, Oh Lord, please pray for me now and we'll be on our faces before God. But no, you see, we, we hear the word but we sometimes do nothing with it. And Jesus is speaking and he's saying, look, if you want the devil to have a field day, he's going to have a field day. So here's the, here it is, Simon. You have, this, uh, you, you have this way with you. You have this character that needs refined and honed. He says, so Satan's going to do it, thinking he's doing his worst, but the Father means it for the best. But I'm praying for you. Don't worry. I am ready. <laughs> self-confidence led Peter to pray. Now, if you and I are thinking of self-confidence... Then watch, because once our self confidence comes in, you know what happens. Great comes the fall. I'm going to be honest with you. You know me, I preach all over the place. And sometimes, as a preacher, see, when you know you've had a good meeting, let's be honest, you you preach, you take a bit of glory, don't you? No, I, and it's, it's okay to be, it's okay to be uh, encouraged in it, in the, in the work. It's okay to encourage a brother. It's okay, okay to encourage a preacher and say, that was a good message, that spoke to me, because then he knows he's on the right track. But sometimes we sort of analyse, I, I analyse everything I say when I go home. Did I say it right? Did I could have done this, could have done that. It's not about what I can do, it's what the Holy Ghost wants to say. You can take a little bit of glory for yourself. I wonder how good I was tonight wonder how well it went. Really what we should be saying is, Lord, Lord have mercy on me. Peter says, I'm ready. I go to prison to death with you. This is within an hour, a couple of hours, a few hours. Self-confidence. And he says, I tell thee, Peter, before the cockroach, that thou shalt thrice deny that thou knowest me. Now notice if you let your eye run down. Verse 39. And he went out and went as he wanted to the Mount of Olives. And the disciples also followed him. And when he was at the place he said unto him, Pray that ye enter not into temptation. And he is withdrawn from them about a stone's cast and kneeled down and prayed. Saying, Father, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. And there appeared an angel unto him from heaven, strengthening him now why would he just kneel down and pray and then needing an angel to strengthen him do you ever wonder that I'll tell you why it gives the idea if you read the the rest of the gospels actually means he just didn't get down and go down his knees I'm just going to have a wee prayer the weight of everything in the garden came upon him and he even says my soul is exceeding sorrowful even unto death it means death itself is starting to encompass me this is the king of life this is the king of life and death is encroaching him all of hell is against him and he says he, he, he gets down and it says he falls on his face the idea here is he falls and he struggles to get up listen, a walk with Christ sometimes is a struggle to do the Father's will to be obedient to the word is a struggle don't expect it to be easy brothers and sisters or we'll never make it Jesus himself he got up And then he falls, and the idea is he gets up, and he falls again, and he gets up, and he falls again, and he thinks he's going to die in the garden. That's the idea of this. It's It's not easy. But he's promised that he'd be with us, and he's praying for us. And notice this. The angel comes and strengthens them. Verse 44. And being in anger, he prayed more earnestly. And he as at war, great drops of blood falling down to the ground. And when he rose up from prayer, he came to the disciples, and he found them sleeping for sorrow. And he said unto them, Why sleep? Ye rise and pray, lest ye enter into temptation. Here is the second side slipping. Lack of prayer. Lack of prayer. Now, let's all be honest. There's times that you're flying in prayer, isn't there? And then there's times you're in lack of prayer. That's just, uh, let's just be honest. And the Lord says, listen, pray. It's coming on you, pray. Can you see, Peter, I'm ready. Next thing he's sleeping, he can't even keep his eyes open, never mind be ready. Well, sometimes people do the want certain ministries until they get it. And then yeah, when they get it, they realise that they don't want it. <laughs> they go, here, hold oh, on, I didn't think it was going to be like this. Sometimes as Christians, we see things, we're going... Lord, you're doing great things. I want this. I want to be closer to you. But see, whenever it comes that you're in your Gethsemane and you're being crushed and you're falling and getting up and you're falling and getting up and death seems to be encompassing you. Instead of praying through it, what do we do? I'm just going to go to bed, lie down and sleep. Don't we? We run and hide. Lack of prayer was a little side slipping, number two. Let your eye run down for time's sake. We're coming to a close on this. Verse 54. They arrest Jesus, he's going to the high priest's house. It says and they took him, first fifty four, and they took him and led him and brought him unto the high priest house. And Peter followed afar off. Side slipping number three. I am ready to go with thee into the prison and unto death. Next thing Slowing <gasps> his head off. He's woken up with all that's going on. Oh here, look what's happening, maybe we need to do something. Let's have an emergency prayer meeting. <laughs> he taken it up and run. He gets up and run. And then he follows Jesus afar off and he expects to have that union and closeness with him. We'll follow afar off there. He's up there and we'll let anybody see him with me. But and he's sneaking a little bit more. I'm going to come in into church. And easy as a can and slip back out again. You know what happens then? You stop going all together. I'm, I'm going to come in and read and I'll do it later, and then I'll do it later, and then I'll do it later, and you start following Christ afar off. That's another little side slipping It's leading to a great backsliding. And problems happen in our lives and we side slip. Peter followed him afar off. Here is Peter's main character flaw vacillation. Vacillation. He, fas- he vacillated, it means to and fro, here, there, hither, thither. I'm ready to flee, now I'm fleeing. I'm sleeping down following afar off. I can walk on water, next thing I look at the windows Brothers and sisters, we haven't changed. Well haven't changed. And Peter's following afar off. And then if you go to verse fifty five, and they had kindled a fire in the midst of the hall, and where they sat down together, Peter sat among them. Fellowship with the word. Fellowship with the word. Peter sat among them. In fact, if you put all the gospels together in the accounts, it gives the idea that he's walking, then he's standing, and eventually he's sitting there following himself. Psalm 1, verse 1. Blessed is the man who walketh not after the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners. Nor Sitheth, and Peter does it. Peter does it. And next thing is he's warming his hands. You were with him. You're one of them. I don't know him. I don't know him. I know not the man and the cockrows. Great backsliding. Great backsliding. Verse fifty-seven says he denied him, saying, "Woman, I know him not." This leads. To the denial of Christ. First sixty two says And Peter went out and wept bitterly. See the term wept bitterly? It means he wept and he wept. And he wept 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 again and again and again and he wept and he wept and he wept as if he wouldn't stop weeping i done? See, his faith was there. His courage is there. What have done? Now, here's the thing, brothers and sisters. When was the last time the church wept over their sin? I sure will live how I like now. We're all under, we're all under grace and this hyper grace, and we can do what we want and live how we like. And we we'll go to the church and then go to the nightclub, or we we'll go to the nightclub and go to the the church after, or or we can do that. We can go to the pub and have our drink, and we can go and sin and we can do whatever. We want. We can sleep around, and sure, it's all grace. It's time the church repented. Amen. Time the church repented from where she's allowed herself to get. Amen. When's the last time we wept tears? For our own failures before god oh god oh father and wept when was the last time it hit us so hard when was the last time it hit us so deep Uh, for our lack toward him of worship of giving to him time and service and love and prayer and all those things talk about all of us me too when was the last time we cried and wept over uh, over over our families and over our, our friends and over, over our nation. When was the last time we wept about these things? And we've realised how sinful we are. When was the last time we wept until the church was being flooded with our own tears? Peter ran to the tomb when he heard Jesus wasn't there. John outruns him. John comes and looks at him. Peter and that John flying nearly as it were, and runs right into the room. You know why? I need to find him. I need to find him. See, Peter's gone through it. I'm so far away from God. I have failed Jesus. I have let him down. I need to find him. Please, something nice, John. What am I going to do? Maybe you're like that sometimes. Peter is in Galilee, waiting on the risen Christ to show. John twenty-one. I go fishing he catches nothing and there's a stranger on the shore children of the enemy mate that night they toiled and they sweated in the road and they went that night weeping and endures for the night but see, in the morning Jesus comes walking on the shore joy comes in the morning and he gets over and he says Simon do you love me Simon you let me down Simon you failed me Simon, you're a big sinner. Simon, you're going to hell. Simon, you're not mine. No, he says, Simon, do you love me? Do you love me? And the word love is agape. It's like, is the love called out of your heart according to the preciousness of me who is loved by you? That's the way it reads. And Simon says, Lord, you know that I love you. Phileo. It's like, I have a, a, I have a love for you, but I can't love you like that. I mean more than these. More than the disciples, maybe. Does Peter, do you love me more than the disciples love me? Well, I can't say that because I'm only after denying you. I love you, but I can't say that. Do you love me more than your fishing boats and the world that you went back to where you've to, Peter? I I, I I I can't say that. Because I've already did it. He says, Do you love me? He says, You know I love you. You know all things. He says, Then feed my arms and feed my sheep. I'm restoring you, son. Peter goes and preaches in Pentecost. 3,000 souls are saved. Peter writes, he says, listen, see the trial of your faith. Brother, sister, listen, see the trial of your faith. It's more precious than gold. Trust that those little side slippings that lead to great backslidings will not be in our lives, but we'll learn from it, all of us, to follow hard after Christ and to pursue hard after him for his glory and for his name's sake." God bless everyone.